Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Hi guys. Okay, so we're just going to pray to just start off and like calm all the nerves that might be here, because I'm a little bit nervous, so. All right. Dear God, thank you for this day and the opportunity we all have to be here, and I pray that you would just speak through me and um, that these people would just understand what you have to say to them tonight and that we would just get to know more about who you are and who that you say we are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, I don't know about you, but I really, really dislike seeing people sad. I can't say I've met anybody who likes seeing people sad. That might be a bit weird. But I really, really don't like seeing people sad. And I will do everything in my power to try to perk them up. Like, if you have a problem, talk to me, and I'm going to encourage you and speak truth over you and just, oh my gosh, I want to help you fix your problem so bad. Like, kind of crazy. But when it comes to me having the problem, I rarely take my own advice, and I tend to sulk in it until I am this hurricane of emotions. Yes. May I welcome you, the Jellicane. This is pretty weird, I understand. Something pretty weird about me is that... um. I want a hurricane named after me. I know that's kind of weird. Um, most people don't want this destructive force that like tears apart families and communities to be named after them. And that's not the reason I want to be named after a hurricane. I just think it sounds kind of cool. Like, Hurricane Jillian is coming down the coast. I don't know. I just It's just kind of a thing that I have. Um, but if you've noticed that like I'm kind of happy in this picture, that's not what I look like when I'm like all depressed and sad and you know going through stuff. Um, I usually have a frown on my face and my eyes are all watery and red and snot is flying everywhere because I made the decision to sulk in my issue and not do anything about it. You see, we have options in trials, how we handle them and who we blame for them. We can either remain and talk to God about it and try to figure out what lesson he wants to teach us through it and how to change our hearts, or we can quit and let it fester and just stay there. And who are we going to blame? Are we going to blame God or are we going to blame ourselves? Because most of the time when I'm dealing with something, I can kind of trace it back and figure out, ooh, Jill, you made a pretty bad decision, and this is why we're here now. So that's why tonight I want to talk to you about joy when the struggle is real and what that looks like and how we do that because I was reading through James, it's a pretty powerful book, and I came up with three points about how we should keep joy in the midst of trials. And those are keep the faith, ask for wisdom, and remain steadfast. And again, we're going to talk about what these mean and how we do these things. Because we need faith to live this life for Jesus. We can't ask for wisdom without faith. And once we ask for wisdom, we have to remain steadfast in believing that God is going to come through. So like I said, I took this out of the book of James. I'm not sure if any of you have ever read it. It's pretty convicting. Right off the bat, you open the book, the second verse, he's like, count it all joy, my sisters and brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. And I'm like, what? Like, bro, are you for real? So we're going to read a little bit of this passage in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 8, verses 12. So you can read along with me up on the screen, I believe, as well. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. 
But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life for which God has promised to those who love him. So that's a lot to take in right off the bat. And maybe you caught something else when you first read that. But when I first read it, all I see is count all my trials as joys. And I just feel like saying, hey, James, like, do you know what I go through? Like, do you know what my life is like? Oh, my goodness. So I had to do some research about the historical context of this passage and who he was talking to. So at this time, he was talking to the Jews, which were Jesus's people, and they were being heavily persecuted. They were scattered, so they weren't with their family or their friends. They were being um, kicked out of their jobs, so they were poor. They were living in times of unstable economy, and they were being ruled by foreign nations who weren't exactly the nice guys. So looking at this or any other um, book in the Bible, you see characters that go through constant trials and struggles. And I think it's important like, not to compare yourself to these people or even compare your struggles to the ones around you that you're living with because God knows you and the trial that you're going through is specific to you. And God wants to shape us to be more like him, right? So often our trials are based where our heart is at and that's the specific area that he wants to grow us in. But when we read these books in the Bible, we can get encouraged because it means we're in good company because we're part of an amazing lineage of overcomers. And God's word is so, so clear that if we decide to follow him, we should expect to be changed. And if we're honest, a lot of change comes through difficult times. So perhaps like these people in James, in the book of James, or like us, when we're going through different things and we're just not having a good time about life, we are often tempted to compromise. You know, you've just had a really, really rough week or season, and you're just going to give in to this temptation just once because you just want to release. Or maybe you've, again, had it up to here, and your friend or someone says something to you, and you just go off on them because you've had it. And I have to let you know that we're going to fail. We're human, and God knows that. But we don't want this to be a consistent reoccurrence in our life. And if it is, that's okay. We're going to figure out tonight how to get rid of that and change our habits. One of the Bible verses I wanted to read to you before we start was Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Hope and a future. Those are two big words, right? At least for me, because I'm a pretty hopeful person, and the future scares the crap out of me. So if you think about that, God knows those things about you, and he's going to prosper you in those two areas. So hang on to that truth as we begin here. So number one we said was keep the faith. I wanted to define what faith was for you, and James McDonald had this really, really good definition that I wanted to share with you. And he said that faith is believing the word of God, acting upon it, no matter how I feel, because God promises a good result. That's what our faith should look like. But we have to realize that that good result of his joy or his peace belong to those who obey his word. Part of having a strong faith is actually wanting that firm foundation of a faith. So in here, we talk a lot about 10 and 10. Your 10 minutes in the Bible and 10 minutes of prayer talking to God. This is like, you know, how we figure out who God is and more about who we are through him. 
And the more we expose ourselves to that, when trials come and storms come, we won't shake as much because now we know, oh, I can go to the Bible because I can speak truth over the situation. Or oh, I could go talk to God about this because he understands and he's going to welcome me with open arms. So we're going to start now in James and just kind of go like verse by verse here and kind of talk about what this means more and help you understand it. In verse 2, James starts with, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So what does count it all mean? One, two, no, not that. Count it all is meaning to think it all joy. Like if we're honest, our head, our mind is where we start grumbling and start complaining and all this stuff like festers in our mind before we spew it out or before we come all like disgruntled, right? He also talks about when you meet trials of various kinds. When, not if. Trials are inevitable in this life, whether you're a Christian or not. Trials are going to make us want to react in the wrong way, but this is how God does his work. Romans 8.28 tells us, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. He works all things, good and bad, right? Now, his good might look a whole lot different than our good, right? Because we don't always see the end result. He sees all the way to the end of eternity. And we just see this little small part, like, right here where we're living right now. And we also have to realize that our good is also kind of tainted by our sinful nature. And, again, God doesn't have that. So he knows us best and he knows what's going on. And that's why we have to believe that his good is the very, very best in verses 3 and 4, James continues, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So we should know that testing is going to equal perseverance, and that's what God wants through us, right? God never says to himself, Wow, your life's been pretty good recently. Let me just throw you a curveball for no particular reason and trip you up a little bit. Like, no, even though I know that's how it feels sometimes. Everything God does has a purpose. And that gives us purpose, right? I mean, he created us. Isn't that so cool? And when we talk about the testing of our faith, any authentic faith needs to go through testing if you want to know if it's real or not, right? Like, is your heart truly in this? Like, he wants to know if you're totally in this or not for him because he's totally in it for you. Now, this testing of your faith, what does that mean? It's not the testing of yourself or how good you do. It's talking about the testing that produces steadfastness. This is when your faith is pushed to its limit. God wants us to see him, and only through testing, really, is that going to get stronger because we'll be able to see him more in situations and become more dependent on him. And I know this world talks about, you know, being independent and, like, you go, girl, or you go, dude. But... I mean, if we're honest, like, I've proven to myself over and over again that I cannot do this by myself without messing it up at least 10 or 15 times. And God always knows what's best. The testing of your faith is what keeps it alive, too. If life is always going good, you're not going to want to be thinking about God because you're just going to be thinking about yourself and how good life is, right? Now, there are three products that come from the testing of your faith. And the first one is maturity. God wants us to be mature in our faith with him and continue to walk with him and grow in our walk with him. And we, we really never stop maturing. We never reach this peak or apex where we come to the point, it's like, you know what, my relationship with you is perfect, God. I don't need to try anymore. Never does that happen. We need to continue to pursue him and be more like him. And that maturity is what he desires from us. 
And this um, definition of perfect is what comes from us being, having gained or learned from our trials. The second product is completeness. That's why we have trials of many kinds for different areas in our life. Because maybe he's going to like give you a trial about your anger or your selfishness. And in all those different areas of life, he's going to try to complete you. And the third one would be lacking nothing, because we lack a lot. This implies that there's going to be a change to correct what was lacking. Um, something I lack a lot is words. So when Pastor Chris was all like, hey, who wants to talk this week? I'm like, oh my gosh, me. And then I'm like, wait, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> right? And that leads us into our second step, which is asking for wisdom. And I ask God for a lot of wisdom with this. In verses 5 and 6, James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So I kind of want to like talk about wisdom for a little bit. Wisdom is not a cry to God for a higher IQ. You know, um, going into a test and you're just like, God, please give me some wisdom to like understand like these questions so I can like fill out this test better. And then he'll just be like, did you study? And I'll be like, not as much as I should have. So that's not what we're talking about. In Greek, the word wisdom is Sophia, and that means the ability to judge correctly and to follow the best course of action based on knowledge and understanding. Wisdom is possible to lack. You should ask for it. You can ask for it. But there is a right way to ask for it, and that is in faith. Believing that God is going to come through when you talk to him about these things. God is so, so willing to give you this wisdom. Like, the God of the universe, who knows no end, wants to share what he knows with you. That blows my mind. And guess what, guys? A lot of his wisdom is written down in a book called the Bible. That's why we should read it. It's so awesome. Don't forget that it's okay to be persistent when you're asking for wisdom. Because that's like in faith, right? If we're going to keep being persistent and asking him for like a certain area in our life, like what should I do about this? Help me. And it's okay to be persistent. God likes that. Um, a good quote that I found about this was that wisdom is the right truth in the real world at the right time. The right truth in the real world at the right time. That's pretty cool. We have access to that. But something that we should touch on is that sometimes we miss the answer because we already have the answer made up in our head and we're just kind of waiting for God's approval because we got like two ways going and you know you want to go a certain way. So just kind of keep going down that way. And you're just like, all right, God, I want to go this way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you said yes, so I'm just going to keep going. But that might not be a good idea. If you don't let go of your agenda, that becomes a big trial. And it's so easy to like do what we want to do and forget about what God wants us to do because, you know, why not, right? <laughs> but God knows us best and he ultimately wants what is best for us. And we have to know that God is going to take care of it, even if, again, like we can't see the good in it right now. And that leads us to the third one, which is remain steadfast, which is the one I have the hardest time with. The Greek word for steadfast is hupomeno, which means to endure, abide, bear bravely, and calmly. And it's pretty rare that I do anything calmly. It's more like a twister of anxiety. Um, I realize now that I've been using a lot of uh, weather terminology. 
used to want to be a meteorologist. Clearly, that's not the path that God wanted for me, which is good because I ended up not liking chemistry as much as I like, like I thought. So back to verses three and four when he was talking about the testing of our faith and steadfastness and having how steadfastness have its full effect. That producing of steadfastness, that implies that there's a process to be done through our trial. And when he talks about letting steadfastness have its full effect, that, that word let implies that we do something to stop it. Again, we have a choice. Just like in the beginning when we talked about how we have options and trials, you know, what we, who we blame and how we handle them. You know, the whole like grow bitter, grow better kind of thing. When we talk about having its full effect, this is more like a cause and effect kind of way. This is like the right term of effect. And the effect of these trials is often our maturity, which is again, what God wants. And how we talked about perfect and complete and lacking nothing. These words, again, all give the idea of a process, a completing process. Now, our world isn't too much about process. It's all about the accomplishment. You know, I want this. But I don't really want to work to get for it. I just want it right now. But God, he's okay with the process. He's a patient God. And I know sometimes we have trouble with that because we just kind of want it right now too. But that's okay. It's all in his timing. And it's with his help that we're doing all this. Like, don't forget, like, we're not supposed to be doing trials on our own. Like, he's here to help us. He wants to help us. That's why we're asking for wisdom and, like, leaning on his understanding and not our own. When... With his help, that's how we place the outcome of the trial in his hands, you know. It's hard for us to do that on our own, and he doesn't expect us to do it on our own. And it's with his help that we know that good can come out of the situation if we stay true to his ways, not our ways. And it's a good reminder to know that his ways are greater than our ways and his thoughts greater than our thoughts. just lost my spot. Here we go. So how do we remain steadfast? Well, it's taking the focus off of ourselves and putting it onto God. Okay, well, how do I do that? Just like the 10 and 10 that we've talked about before. Pastor Chris just talked about this in his basic series, how like prayer is a conversation, but oftentimes God's not going to like speak to you audibly. A lot of his conversation portion of it comes through the Bible and that's why it's so, so important to read. And honestly, like, if you need a pep talk during, like, a struggle or a trial, read Romans or read Psalms. Because a few years ago when I was going through a season of loneliness, Pastor Chris is like, hey, check out these few verses in Psalms when David was going through, like, the same thing. And it was crazy how, like, how much he got it. And we think because, like, you know, they're, like, old, that, like, they don't get it, but they totally do. And sometimes the best encouragement is, hey, me too. Whether they've already been through it and they know how to overcome it and they're like, hey, like, let me show you how to do this. Or like you're both in like the same situation. You're like, what do we do next? And you just like grab the other person's arm. It's like, all right, let's go. Let's do it. Let's try to figure this out with Jesus. And I think we, we forget this a lot is that God sent his son Jesus down to earth as human to relate to us, Right. He, he gets the temptation, and he understands all the feels, like every struggle we face. Okay, may, maybe he didn't get blocked by his best friend on Instagram, but he did get rejected by one of his best disciples. So, like, he understands rejection. He understands loneliness. He understands what we go through, and that's super important to realize when we're, like, talking to him. Lastly, in verse 12, we talk about, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. 
For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life for which God has promised to those who love him. So why are we enduring? Like, what's the point of this, right? Because again, it produces maturity. I know we talked about that a lot, but that's important because we want to be more like Jesus and um, because he created us to be more like him. He wants us to be more like him. We want what God wants because it brings blessing. That's what the crown of life is talking about in that verse there. And because I love him, right? Like he loves you more than you can handle. And I want to love him the same way as humanly possible as I can, right? So at the end of the day, why do we need to be joyful about these things, right? Be joyful because did you know that it's the most repeated command in the Bible is to be happy? This has actually come as a shock to me, but it really shouldn't when you think about it. Because God loves you so much. He wants you to be happy, obviously. He loves you. And it's said in different ways in the Bible. Praise the Lord. Do not be afraid. Rejoice. Give thanks. All which are commands in essence to be happy. Now, the world wants us to believe that our happiness is based on our circumstances. So when our circumstances change, so does our mood. And hey... So that's why we need to put our hope and our joy in Jesus Christ, right? Because he says in the Bible, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. So maybe you need to get up every morning and just say that to yourself, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change, you know? We should be joyful because God is our fulfillment. We don't have to look any other place. Shopping, friendships, relationships, they're all circumstantial and subject to change. God is not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We should be joyful because God cares so much for you. He wants the best for you. He sent his son, Jesus, to earth to live a life here and then to die on the cross for our sins. So we don't have to worry about all that baggage. You know, he wants to carry that for us. And once we have that relationship with Jesus, that sin, that bondage, whew, right out the door. We're washed clean, we're a new person. Second chances are the best. We don't get those too often here, but Jesus gives a lot of those. Be joyful because we're free and we're forgiven. Those are huge words that I don't think we like dwell on enough in the Christian world. Like, we don't have to worry about that crappy thing that we did yesterday or said yesterday because God can still use us and God still loves us. I guarantee the more you chase after God, your attitude is going to change. You'll find yourself more joyful and when the world says you're not supposed to be. And people are gonna wonder why. And that boosts our testimony. So when people come up to you like, you know, why are you kind of acting like this? Why are you not like everybody else and just kind of, you know, festering in your emotions until you become that hurricane, right? And then you get to answer because Jesus. And then of course you get to answer with the rest of your testimony because if you just leave it up because Jesus, people are gonna look at you pretty weird. But um, I just think that's so incredible that that can also be a working way into why we like why we love Jesus, why we get to talk to people about Jesus. They're gonna wonder why. Now, the last thing I wanted to lead you with before we go into small groups is this quote that I have on my bulletin board at home. 
I look at it all the time and it's pretty encouraging. And it says, God is always building you, even when it feels like he's breaking you. God is always building you in the good and in the bad. Always, always, always. All right, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your truth and that we get to explore more about who you are and who you say that we are. And thank you so much for sending your son to die on that cross for us, that we could be free and forgiven and have a relationship with you, like the God of the universe who loves us so much. And I just pray as we go into small groups that you would help us expand on what we've heard tonight and just in our own experiences that we'd be able to talk about this and encourage one another and be joyful in our own in our own ways back home or at school when that comes up soon and that we would just be able to show the love of Jesus to the people around us. Thank you so much, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Students Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.